For over 45 years, Pensacola Christian College has set aside some time each spring semester for Bible conference. These days of concentrated study and preaching from the Word of God are a time of spiritual enrichment for our students, faculty and staff, and many others who join us for these services. We're pleased to welcome you to the PCC Bible Conference. We're going to start in Exodus 16. If you'll turn there, eventually we'll get to Numbers chapter 11, where the sermon will be uh, about Numbers 11. Paul said, Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. That we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Now today we've so narrowed that definition of lust to uh, mean only the sensual, only the sexual, only the immoral, but, but the scriptural definition of lust is uh, anytime you want to be somewhere other than where God's planted you, uh, anytime you want something other than what God's provided for you, uh, anytime you want to be with someone other uh, than the one that God's partnered with you, boy, that's lust. Uh, and for them in Numbers 11, they were wanting anything other than the manna that God had given to them. Uh, in Exodus 16, we see first the definition of the gift. The definition of the gift, manna, manna. Uh, the definition of the gift. Look down at verse number 15, if you will. Uh, and when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, it is, now the word manna literally means, what is it? What is it? And so uh, when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, it is, what is it? For they wist not what it was. Uh, what is it? Number one, it's the provision of God. Uh, it's the provision of God. He goes on to say, uh, when they saw, said one to another, uh, it is manna, they must know what it was. Moses said unto them, this is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. The provision of God, which the Lord hath given you to eat. In verse four, uh, God said, every morning when you wake up, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. Uh, I hand selected that for you. Uh, I'm the one that chose that for you. I'm the one that's providing to you, but my God shall supply, provide all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It's the provision of God. And that's why when they complained, it displeased the Lord. Because he would say, now, wait a second, I know what's best for you. He would say, wait a second, I'm the one that hand-selected that for you. I'm the one that gave that to you. And so the definition of the gift, what is it? Uh, the provision of God, but also it's the perfection of God. The perfection of God. It's perfect in its nutrients. It seems like if that's all they had to eat for those 40 years, that's all they would need to eat for those 40 years. Look down at verse number 35. The children of Israel did eat manna 40 years. If all they had was only what God gave, that's all they'd need. If all they had was only what God gave, that's all they'd need. It's perfect in its nutrients, but the one I like better, though, uh, is it's perfect in its taste. Perfect in its taste. Uh, look down at verse number 31, the last phrase of 31. The Bible says, the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Wafers with honey. Uh, they add to the description in Psalm 78, when God rained down manna upon them to eat and had given them of the, the corn of heaven, man did eat angels' food, wafers with honey, corn that's heavenly, food of divinity, 
When they saw it for the first time, they said, what? But when they tasted it for the first time, they said, wow, wow, manna. Thank God for the manna that God's given to us. Every morning that we live, God rains manna all around us. You say, Pastor, uh, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the country that we live in. Uh, We still have freedom of speech. We still have freedom of assembly. We still have uh, freedom of religion. Thank God for the manna that God's given to us. Uh, The condition of our bodies, we're fearfully, we're wonderfully made. And you say, well, I don't have perfect health. You have good enough health to be here this morning. Thank God for the manna that God has given to us. The congregation where we worship, the campus church, the singing, the praising, the word of God that goes out, thank God. Uh, The companion that calls you spouse, a prudent wife uh, is from the Lord. A prudent wife uh, is from the Lord. Doesn't say anything about husbands. But anyway, a prudent wife uh, is from the Lord. Uh, The kids that call us dad, the kids that call us uh, parents, uh, the Bible says children are a heritage of the Lord uh, and the fruit of the loom. No, I'm sorry. It's in the fruit of the womb uh, is his reward. Thank God for the manna that God's given To us, he's rained it down all around us. Uh, Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above, from the Father of lights. Verse 21, they gathered it every morning. Uh, Psalm 68, blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. He daily loads us with benefits. We should daily lift to him our praise. And so the definition of the gift is the provision of God. That definition of the gift is the perfection of God. But when the Bible says these things were our examples to the intent, we should not lust. We should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. It was speaking specifically about Numbers chapter 11. Turn there if you will. And in Numbers chapter 11, we don't see the definition of the gift. We see the degradation of their gratitude. The degradation Uh, of their gratitude. Uh, In Numbers 11, at the top of the text, it starts out kind of benign, kind of uh, harmless. They're just whimsically wishing for something other than uh, that manna. Look at verse number four. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. There's that word again. That we should not lust after evil things, uh, as they also lust, or they, they fell a lusting. Uh, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, who shall give us flesh to eat? Now look at the evil things they lusted after. Uh, we remember the fish, which we did eat freely in Egypt, uh, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks uh, and the onions and the garlic. Uh, they're wanting anything other than what God had given to them. Uh, I'd rather have that. I'd rather have them. I'd rather be there. Always wanting something else. Always wanting someone else. Always wanting somewhere else. Hey, don't miss that God's planted you where you're at. God's partnered you with who you're with. And God's provided you with everything you have. But this landslide of lust in Numbers chapter 11, it starts out pretty innocent. But by the bottom of the text, The bottom of the chapter, uh, it takes a turn for the tragic. Look at verse number 33. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, there it was chewed. God gave them what they wanted. God gave them what they wanted. Uh, The wrath of the Lord kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. 34. uh, And he called the name of that place Kibroth Hatavah, because there they buried the people that, there's that word again, 
that lusted. These things are, are examples to the intent. We should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. I found that landslides usually happen at the top of the hill. Uh, when the first rock knocks loose and drops and uh, knocks loose a bigger rock that, that comes loose and drops and uh, knocks loose bigger rocks until that avalanche, that landslide becomes so big, uh, it buries cars, it destroys homes, it, it kills people. If you don't stop that landslide at the top, if you don't stop that first rock from falling, and as we trace the terrain of the text, I see five rocks in Numbers chapter 11 that make up this landslide of lust. Write it down if you will. Put it down first. They weren't delighting. They weren't delighting in what they had. They weren't delighting in what God gave. Look at verse number one. We're going to start at the top of the text. Top of the text. Trace the terrain of the text. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. Of course it did. It's a provision of God. When the people complained, it displeased the Lord. Of course it did. Uh, it's the perfection of God. Uh, they should have been delighting, not complaining. Should have been thanking him. They should have been grateful for that. Uh, they should have been rejoicing in, enjoying the manna that God gave. But instead they were complaining. They weren't delighting in what they had. And automatically the second rock drops, uh, put it down. They began desiring what they did not have. It's in verse number four. Uh, verse number one, the first rock drop, drops, they, they weren't delighting in what God gave them. And now, uh, verse number four, uh, they began desiring, automatically, uh, they began desiring what God had not given them. Look at verse four. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a, always wanting something else, always wanting somewhere else, always wanting someone else, lusting. Uh, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, who shall give us flesh to eat? When you stop delighting in what you do have, you'll automatically begin desiring what you don't have. Don't miss that. When you stop delighting in what God has given you, automatically you'll start desiring what God has not given to you. And that's what 1 Timothy 6 is talking about when it says the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not money. That's the root of all evil. It's that insatiable desire, that love for something that God has not given to you. They that will be rich fall into a snare, which while some having coveted after, always wanting the bigger and the better, always wanting the nicer and the newer, wanting something that you don't have, something that, that God has not given you as of yet. I, I think about the other half of the story that uh, Pastor Butler, I, I appreciate the details on Jim Elliott, those martyrs, that uh, the Yucca Indians, and uh, Elizabeth Elliott, that widow who uh, served the Lord for years after that, uh, was a, a blessing in her writing and her speaking, had someone towards the end of her life say, uh, Miss Elliott, I don't understand how you couldn't get bitter. You didn't get uh, angry at the Lord. All you wanted to do was serve him. All you wanted to do was get the gospel to them. And day one, your husband was cut down. She said this, learning not to grumble about the ungiven and giving thanks for the given is the key to unlock the door to happiness. Learning not to grumble about what you don't have, but giving thanks for what you do have. Uh, learning not to grumble about what God has not given you uh, and giving thanks for what God has given you is the key to unlock the door to happiness. By the way, 
Uh, notice the evil things, the evil things. That you should not lust after evil things. As, as they lusted uh, in our text, it's cucumbers and leeks and onions and garlic uh, and melons. And, and in and of themselves, they're not evil things unless God hasn't given them to you. Boy, we do it all the time. If only I had their talent. Uh, if I, only I had his ability. If I just had their opportunity, their location, if I just had uh, the, the blessings that, that God has given them, uh, if I just had what they have, they're not delighting in what they do have. They begin desiring what they don't have. Uh, and then rock number three, again, it's automatic. It's a landslide of loss. Uh, verse one, they weren't delighting in what they had. Verse four, they began desiring what they did not have. And now number three, uh, it causes a distorting, a distorting of what you do have a distorting of what you don't have. It makes what you do have look bad, and it makes what you don't have look, look good. Uh, put it down. Uh, distorting what you do have. Look at verse number six. We're staying in the text. Verse number six. But now our soul is dried away. There's nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. I'm shocked by that phrase. There's nothing at all besides the provision of God. There's nothing at all besides the perfection of God. Uh, there's nothing at all besides God hand-delivering you your groceries. Uh, it's the first Uber Eats. Uh, nothing at all besides that. Wait, is that all you got? Wafers with honey? Is that all you got? Corn that's heavenly? Is that all you got? Uh, food of divinity. Uh, but because they stopped delighting in what they had... Well, you end up distorting what you have. It makes what you have look bad. Look at verse number eight. And the people went about and gathered it and ground it in mills or beat it in mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was, stop right there, look right up here. They've already told us what the taste of it was like. Hey, they said, it's like wafers with honey. They said, it's like corn that's heavenly. Uh, they said, uh, it's like food of divinity uh, 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 unless you're not delighting in what you have. Uh, and then you'll begin desiring what you don't have. Uh, and then you'll be distorting what you do have. Verse 8, the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. That's not how they described it originally. Uh, that's not how they described it originally. Uh, it's like fresh oil. They're not tasting the sweetness of it anymore, uh, the divinity of it anymore, uh, the heavenliness of it anymore. Uh, and understand the manna never changed. But it was distorting what they did have. Uh, it went from angels' food to ordinary, from uh, wafers with honey to oily and greasy. In fact, uh, in Numbers 21, they call it light bread. Light bread, the manna never changed, but they weren't delighting in what they had, who they're with, where they're at. Uh, they began desiring uh, what they did not have, where they weren't and who they weren't with, uh, and that caused them to be distorting, to be distorting uh, what they did have. Uh, remember the first time you visited Campus Church? Wow, the singing, uh, the Bible, uh, the fellowship, uh, the campus, uh, wow, thank the Lord. Uh, and if it's kind of gotten blasé, it's not the manna that changed. Remember the first time you punched in at your work? Lord, thank you for this job. 
The first time you sign that paycheck and you cash that paycheck, hey, praise the Lord, I prayed for this job. Hey, Lord, thank you for this job. Uh, but, but if somewhere along the line it's got kind of mundane, it's not the manna that changed. It may be that your taste for it has changed uh, and you've stopped delighting in what you have. You began desiring what you don't have. Uh, it's distorting what you do have. And also, uh, it's distorting what you don't have. Look at verse number five. We're staying in the text. Uh, not only did it make what they had look bad, uh, it made what they didn't have look good. Verse five, we remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely. You're not remembering correctly. Uh, you're forgetting about the whips cracking over you, that you were in bondage. You weren't eating it freely. Uh, we remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. Uh, and, and, and you're wanting onions over angels' food? Uh, you're, you're wanting garlic over corn that's, that's heavenly? You're wanting leeks over, uh, over wafers with honey? That's crazy. Well, that's crazy. Uh, not any crazier than someone who would leave their, their beautiful wife, their fantastic family for, for someone they met at work. And a lot of times it's a head-scratcher when you say, she's not even as pretty as his wife. Exactly. But somewhere along the line, he stopped delighting in who he was with. He began desiring who he was not with, and that caused him to be distorting who he was with, made her look bad. Distorting who he was not with made her look good. Boy, it's crazy. It's wacky. Wanting onions over angels' food? Boy, distorting. Uh, wanting that, that, those, that garlic over uh, corn that's heavenly. Not any crazier than someone that would leave a Bible-believing, blessed place for a barren place that has incredible problems. But it all comes back to delighting. And if you're not, you'll be desiring, desiring. And uh, it'll cause a distorting, a distorting, make what you have look bad, uh, make what you don't have look good. Uh, but don't forget the manna hasn't changed. The manna hasn't changed. And if your taste for church has changed, it's your taste for church that's changed. If your taste for walking with God has changed, it's your taste for walking with God that's changed. If your taste for, for ministry and prayer has changed, it's your taste that's changed. Well, let's continue the text. It's, it's automatic. We've gotten down this far. It's almost unstoppable by, by now. The first rock, they weren't delighting in what they had. Second rock, they began desiring what they did not have. Third rock, uh, it began distorting what they did have, and it began distorting what they did not have. Uh, and rock number four, write it down, uh, it causes you to be despising, despising. This is where people walk away. Uh, this is where people walk away, despising three things. You'll end up despising what you have. Look at verse number six. But now our soul is dried away, despising it. Uh, wanting to walk away from it. Uh, in Numbers 21, they'll say, our soul loathes this light bread. It's loathsome uh, to us. Uh, you were delighting in it. Uh, and now you're desiring something else because you're not delighting in it and then distorting. And now uh, you're despising that job, despising that house, despising that, that spouse, despising that church, despising that, that, that lot in life that you have, despising what God has provided Boy, it's a landslide of lust. And not only will you be despising what you have, despising what you have, eventually God's going to say, okay, if you don't believe that I know what's best, I'll give you what you want, but you'll end up despising what you get. Look at it in verse number 18. He gave them what they wanted. 
He gave them what they wanted. In verse number 18, Moses tell them, therefore the Lord will give you flesh and ye shall eat. Verse 19. Uh, ye shall not eat one day or two days, five days, 10 days, 20 days, verse 20. But even a whole month until it come out at your nostrils. I would have loved to have seen that. But anyway, uh, until it come out of your nostrils and look at it, it be loathsome unto you. Same word, same word. Uh, I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna give you what you want, uh, but you're gonna end up at the same place. It's going to be loathsome to you, just like the manna was loathsome to you because your joy and contentment has nothing to do with what you have and what you don't have. Your joy and contentment has nothing to do where you're at or where you're not at. It has everything to do with, are you delighting? Are you thanking God? Uh, are you praising the Lord and grateful uh, for what God has given to you? Uh, and by the way, here's where the bouncing begins from job to job to job to job to job because the job isn't the problem. From person to person to person to person uh, to person because the person isn't the problem. From church to church to church to church because the church isn't the problem. Uh, it's not about what we have, what we don't have. Uh, it's all about have I been delighting and thankful for what God has given to me? And ultimately, number three, write it down. Uh, you'll end up despising what you have. That's when you walk away. Uh, and when you get what you thought you wanted, you'll end up despising what you get. But ultimately, number three, it's because you're despising the one who gave. You're despising the one who gave. Boy, God's saying, I know what's best for you. We don't believe it. I, I know where's best for you. We don't believe it. I'm the one that hand-selected that for you. And we, and look at verse number 20. Uh, you'll eat it even a whole month until it come out of your nostrils. Verse 20, and it be loathsome unto you because that ye have despised the Lord. Listen, if you're somewhere in the middle of this landslide, it's almost unstoppable. If you stop thanking God, if you stop being grateful to God for where you're at, what you have, who you're with, if you stop being grateful when you're not delighting in what you have, you'll be desiring what you don't have. And that'll cause you to be distorting what you do have, make what you have look bad. Distorting what you don't have, make what you don't have look good. And then you'll despise what you have until you ultimately will despise what you get because you're despising the one who gave. And the last rock, we're done, it's over, is destroying, destroying. Look at it in verse number 31. And there went forth a wind from the Lord and brought quails from the sea. And the people stood up all that day and all that night and all that next day. And they gathered the quails, 33, and while the flesh was yet between their teeth, there it was chewed. The wrath of the Lord kindled against the people. The Lord smote the people, very great plague. He called the name of that place Kibroth Hatabah because there they buried the people that lusted. Does anybody believe that your joy and contentment has nothing to do with what you have or what you don't have? It has everything to do with are you grateful for what you have? In fact, God commentated on this entire section in Psalm 106 when he said, they lusted, exceed, lusted, there's that word, exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And he gave them their request. He gave them what, what they wanted. He gave them their request, but sent leanness to their soul. You say, Pastor, you make it sound like I should never pray for a higher paying job. I never said that. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer, 
and supplication with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. I will say this, you should never pray for a higher paying job until you're grateful for the job that God's already given you. You should never pray for that pay raise. God, give me that pay raise. And until you're grateful for the pay that God's already given to you, the manna never changed. Remember Jacob when he was looking for a wife? He went back to the home area of his mom, and he, when he got there, he settled down. There was a well, there was a big rock, and It was so big, they had to wait for other shepherds to, because several people were going to have to move that rock. And as he was waiting to get a drink, uh, he saw uh, 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 love at first sight when he saw Rachel. I I mean, you talk about smitten. Uh, 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 This is it. This is the one that I'm to marry. And uh, and the Bible says he went down and he manned up and he moved that rock all by himself. He flexed in front of her. And then uh, he went, the Bible says, he embraced her and he kissed her. He wasn't in Bible college at the time. Uh, He embraced her and he kissed her uh, and he wept. And he wept. This is his first choice. This is his dream choice. He talked to Laban. Uh, remember, Laban agreed, I'll give you my daughter if you work for me seven years. And, and Laban did give him his daughter after we worked for him for seven years. Uh, but it wasn't Rachel, it was Leah. Uh, Leah, for some reason, was God's choice. God could have prevented it. Uh, God could have circumvented it. Uh, but, but for some reason, God allowed it. And so his first choice, his dream choice, he renegotiated. And Laban, after saying it's not our custom to give the, the younger uh, before the older, almost sliding what, what Jacob was doing to Esau. But then he said, yeah, I'll give you Rachel. Uh, and, and so they, 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 they married. Uh, and, and, and Rachel, his first choice, Rachel, his dream choice, uh, Leah being God's choice. Somewhere along the line, he had to learn to fall in love with his Leah. He had to learn to fall in love with his Leah. In Genesis 29, verse 30, there's a contrast that says, he loved Rachel more than Leah. He loved Rachel more than Leah. He had to learn to fall in love with his Leah. In fact, in verse number 17, another contrast, it says, Rachel was beautiful, but Leah was tender-eyed. That means when you looked at her, it hurt. And so in the Hebrew, it's dog ugly. And so it's Hebrew. Anyway, and so Rachel was beautiful. Leah was tender-eyed. Somewhere along the line, he had to learn to fall in love with God's choice, with God's choice. It's interesting when the birthing began that, that Rachel died giving birth to Benjamin. She was buried in Bethlehem. Years later, but years later, Leah died and she was buried at Machpelah. Now, what's interesting to me is Judah is going to be birthed by one of these two relationships. Praise. Isn't that what we want with our life? Praise to, to be birthed out of our life. I wonder if Judah was birthed by, by uh, Rachel, his first choice, his dream choice. No, no, no. Praise was birthed when he learned to fall in love with his Leah, God's choice. You know, later on, Jesus Christ will come from one of these two relationships. And again, that's what we want, that Christ might be magnified in our bodies, that Christ might be seen in us. I wonder if Christ was birthed by way of his first choice, his, his dream choice. Nope, nope, nope. Christ came by the lineage of God's choice when he learned to fall in love with his Leah. It's also noteworthy on his deathbed, he told his sons, When you bury my body, when you bury my body, is he going to say, make sure you bury me in Bethlehem next to Rachel? That's my first choice. 
Uh, next, to, next to Rachel, that's my dream child. No, he said, when you bury my body, don't bury me at Bethlehem. Bury me at Machpelah next to God's choice because I've learned to fall in love with my Leah. Uh, I've learned in whatsoever state I'm in to therewith be content. You've been listening to a Bible conference message from Pensacola Christian College. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.